the closer we get to the coming of the Lord and uh, the end of all things, I think what the Lord told Jonah probably fits as well as anything. He said, Arise, go to Nineveh, and preach the preachings that I bid you. Preach the preachings that I bid you. Amen. And I am going to do my very best tonight to preach what I feel in my heart. And uh, some of it may be a little uh, slow at times. And if it's slow, it's because of a number of things. One of them being that the last 24 hours I've battled with a flu uh, bug uh, from 9 o'clock last night. Just been very, very sick. And um, you say, yeah, and we'll probably be pretty much that way in a while. But, uh, hopefully not. Hopefully not. But I have been, I have been kind of sick. And I had a birthday last Sunday. And uh, you get 42 years of age, and you know, and your grandpa, you got a right to be sick, and you got a right to mope a little bit. And so, uh, Brother Bass, if I disappoint you, you know, we've we've reached that age. Did you think we'd live this long? Amen. Amen. I told somebody the other day if I thought I was going to live this long, I took better care of myself, you know. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, we're here. And coming back to Ocala is like coming home for the Phillips family. In fact, we were privileged. My family was here for about nine months during a tenure of our time of ministry. And I evangelized. My family was here. And I was always confident they were in good hands. Praise God. Well, the time is rocking on. Let us stand together tonight. If you will, and open your Bibles with us to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis, chapter number 6, a few verses of Scripture that I'd like to read tonight. And again, we are happy to see all the brethren, all the preachers that are here. I'm a native of Ohio, and uh, I heard... These preachers introducing themselves. We've got a number of men here from Ohio tonight. See a few Hoosier land folks in the building around and about. That's the neighboring state to the Buckeye State. So I, I ought to be among friends. Amen. Of course, I've been in the South about most of my life, seems like. But uh, it's good to see all of these men. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 11. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said, God looked upon it, and then God said, I'm going to tell you tonight, God's still looking on things. And God still has something to say. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with with the earth. The book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse number 37. We'll be taking our text from this verse. Matthew 24 and verse 37. But as the days of Noah were... So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. We'll be preaching from the subject tonight simply as the days of Noah were. Would you allow me another couple readings tonight? First Timothy chapter four, verse number one. Quite a bit of reading. Trust you'll be patient tonight. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter Time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Second Timothy chapter 3. If we don't get nothing else done, we're going to have a Bible reading session tonight. Second Timothy 3 and 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be, men shall be. And then he lists a number of things, but I want to stop long enough to tell you that it's people that fulfill these things. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, 
without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. As the days of Noah were, I want us to pray again before you're seated. I sincerely want you to pray for me that God will use us tonight. Father, in your blessed name, God, if I ever needed you, Lord, I want you to smile upon us tonight. God, your word is anointed. Your word is inspired. It came from heaven. It was your divine breath that breathed upon holy men of old. They spake, they wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Move upon us now, I pray. By that same quickening power, by that same breath of divine energy, breathe upon this entire congregation tonight. Oh, God, be kind enough to help me to bless these people that have come from near and far. Lord, we come humbly into your presence tonight. Give us a word from the glory world. Oh, God, lighten our eyes and let us see. Oh, Lord, let inspiration breathe upon us. Let the old things become new again. Lord, that that we know, let it become real again. Father, in your blessed name, hide us behind the cross. That in all that is said and done tonight, you might be glorified. We'll be careful to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Those things that Jesus spake of in the limited space that is given us in the four Gospels, those things that He spake of there, I feel like should be of of great interest to us. Again, we know that He began to do and did do a great many things and speak of things, I'm sure, that are not written in these Gospel accounts. But it was John the writer that said, These things are written that you might believe, and that believing you might have life through his name. But those things that were spoken of by Jesus, and particularly, of course, those things that divine wisdom allowed to be penned in the gospel accounts, I believe that those things should be of interest to us. And if Jesus spake of them, certainly we ought to speak of them. The pulpits of America and around the world ought to be speaking the things that Jesus spake about. And so, even this age-old story, amen, particularly about the days of Noah, that we have drawn our Scripture reading largely from tonight, Sunday school story, most of the children in this building that have went to Sunday school could talk to you about the story of, of Noah and the flood and the judgment that came upon a reckless world that somehow was not in tune with God. But Jesus spake of that day. Jesus spake of that day. And if Jesus spake of it, give me license tonight to talk about it one more time. In Matthew 24, it was there that they had uh, become very involved in their display of the temple, and they were trying to impress Jesus with the glory of the temple, and And then Jesus spoke to them and said that there would not be left here one stone upon another, but that it would all come down. It was a later time that those words began to trouble, it appears, the minds of the disciples. And they came to Jesus inquiring of him, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And then Jesus begins to outline to them some things. And of course... It appears to me that some of the things that he spoke of in Matthew 24 were things that would be fulfilled only a short 70 years or so after the death, burial, and resurrection. The historian Josephus tells us that there was a devastating destruction that fell upon Jerusalem just 70 years hence from the time of Jesus Christ. And it fell upon the city because of a city that knew not the hour of their visitation. 
In Luke chapter 19, it was there recorded that Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. He beholds the city. And of course, He being God manifested in the flesh. Amen. And with Him, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. He knew all about the city of Jerusalem. He had known every king that had reigned there, and every baby that was born there, and every prophet that had preached there. And so when he came as the God-man, he weeps over the city of Jerusalem. And he gives this sad lamentation and uh, commentary of their, of their history and even of the present time. He said, if thou hadst known even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace. But, but now, but now they are hid from thine eyes. There is a place that we can get to where things that belong to us become hid from us. Amen. God help us in this last day. For the days shall come, he says, upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee. And they're going to compass thee round about. And they're going to keep you on every side. Not only could he see in the past, but he could see in the future. And he knew that there was judgment coming for a people and a generation that would not give ear to what thus saith the word of the Lord. Rebellion against God's will and God's word has always resulted in judgment. Amen. It has always resulted in judgment. And so the Lord projects His mind to the days that are coming. Amen. And the babies that were in the city would be grown men and grandfathers. And He sees them presently, but He knows what is waiting for them down the road. Amen. He knows that there is a great penalty and a price to be paid for the sins of their fathers. Amen. Because they would not give ear to the commandments and the word of the Lord. And he said, they're going to be, you're going to be laid even with the ground and thy children within thee and, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. And then he says it all when he says, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. You could not discern. You did not have spiritual understanding of the momentous time that you were in. And I looked at the word of the Lord and, and uh, refreshed my mind. And it seems like that uh, it has always been the way of people, always been the way of flesh, that the most momentous times of spiritual significance, the majority of the world was blind to the day and the hour that they presently lived in. Amen. You did not know the hour of your visitation. And uh, when I read the next few verses, it is uh, clear to me why the scathing rebuke came upon the city of Jerusalem because the next setting is that he goes into the temple and he finds the church in the condition that it was in. Amen. They were looking for cheap bargain barn religion and they had set up their shopping mall to, to buy and to sell. And uh, when he went to the church and he said, it is written that my house should be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And then I back up and see Jesus weeping over that city. Amen. And I understand the reason that they received such a scathing rebuke and the reason for their total spiritual condition was because of the depravity and the lack of urgency and the lack of zeal that was found around the church. Amen. It was found there. He said, I'm telling you, your house is left unto you desolate. He went to church. I believe the root of the problem was the condition of the mindset of the people that went to church. It was the lack of earnestness and seriousness that was found at the church. And so some of these things that Jesus speaks of in Matthew 24, the judgment of God was going to be leveled upon this people. Amen. Because, because of their overall spiritual condition that put them in a frame of mind and heart that they would not discern the day even of Christ first appearing. Praise God. Praise God. And then we are looking back again to that age-old story of, of Noah and that world that so grieved God. Do you know God has feelings? Amen. And it grieved God at His heart of the things that He was viewing and the things that He was seeing. Amen. God looked upon the earth. And contrary to public opinion tonight, there's still a God that knows what's going on. Amen. Amen. 
and our president gave the state of the confusion last night. And uh, But our God still knows what's going on. Amen. He knows who's running what and who's going where and who's doing what. There's still an all-seeing eye watching you. Amen. There's still an all-seeing eye watching you. There's still an unseen guest at every table. And there's still a silent listener to every conversation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when God looked upon the days of Noah, and every imagination was evil continually. They weren't having score conferences, I don't suppose. There wasn't a fraction of folk that would have a spiritual thought. Every imagination was evil continually. And God became grieved and vexed at his heart, and repented that he even made man, and allowed them to be upon the earth. And he said, I'll tell you, he said, he beheld it all. The flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. You see, the wise man wrote, let me take my time tonight, the wise man wrote and said that God made man upright. But they sought out their inventions. That fallen, depraved nature sought out their inventions. They corrupted their way upon the earth. And God said the whole earth is filled with violence. And again, verse 13, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, flesh and carnality. And God said, Behold, I will destroy man that I have made, and I'll destroy, I will destroy the earth. It was filled with violence. Jesus, our Lord, spoke in that Bible during His just short period of time that he was upon this earth and he says as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be as it was as the days of Noah were so shall it be I want to tell you something tonight amen it's no secret and I don't want to just hang you down in a down and out gloom so bear with me tonight till I'm done but our world is filled with violence Amen. From every metropolitan city to the small hamlets and villages and crossroads of America, the whole earth is filled with violence. Just this morning on the way to the airport, I turned the radio on and learned about a a woman that is on death row. Of course, they've got one there that right now is trying to get a stay of execution and uh, get a lifetime sentence. But there was another woman, and uh, she and her boyfriend bludgeoned a man to death and killed him because they wanted his automobile. I don't know how it is in Florida, but in Texas, children, teenage children, and preteen children, we are living in a day that the law enforcement is at which end. How do you try juveniles for murder? Amen. Children leaving the natural affection that ought to be there and destroying their own heritage. Killing their mothers and their fathers. Amen. Amen. Bear with me tonight. I'm going to preach what i got on my heart. The earth is filled. It is filled with violence. Amen. Every crossroads, every village, some things that used to be attached to the metropolitan centers of the world are now happening in places that are off the map. Somewhere that nobody's ever heard about. Hideous crimes are taking place. Amen. And we read about them every day. And we hear about them every day. But I've come to preach tonight and tell us one more time. We better have an eye on the day that we can be ready for the hour. Amen. You can call it negative preaching if you want to. But somebody's going to talk about the day. Somebody's going to preach about the day. Somebody's going to put their finger on this present evil world. We've got to keep an eye on the day that we can be ready for the hour of His appearing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm going to preach to you a minute and tell you the reason why some of these children in back alley cities of our world away from the big metropolitan areas are filling their hearts with violence 
It's because their mom and dad don't have any better brains than to drag a devilish television in their house. Hallelujah. And set it down in front of them and teach them how to commit fornication and teach them how to lust after the things of this world and teach them how to get murder and hate in their hearts. Hallelujah. Somebody's got to keep preaching about the day. Somebody's got to keep talking about the day. So that we can be ready for the hour. I told my church the other night, and we just got a handful of folks, and you can probably understand why. Listen to me five minutes. Amen. But I said, when the day comes and I quit preaching against television, you'll know I'm backslid. Amen. And you need to go find you a preacher that's preaching something. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's been the damnation of our world. It's told little kids in ends of the earth that never knew what gangs were. That didn't know what it meant to have an ill will against your parents. Well, help me, Jesus. Amen. And then funneled it right into their little innocent hearts. And taught them how to have hate. And taught them how to have murder. I'm telling you, the Lord made man upright. But they've sought out their inventions. And the devil's put his meat hooks in everything this world's got to try to damn the souls of mankind. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going to keep preaching about the day. I'm going to keep preaching about the day. You ought to thank God you got a preacher that's sticking his finger into this world and saying that's not God's will. That's not God's plan. That's not God's mind. We've got to keep you looking to the day so that you'll be ready for the hour. And they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were given in marriage, which are all just terms of a society on the move. Amen. It was all terms that could easily spell success. It was terms that it looks like, amen, could be categorized by thoughts of success and affluence. Eating, drinking, amen, marriage ceremonies, the laughter, the gaiety, and yes, frivolity, and yes, a lack of soberness, and yes, a lack of spiritual prayer, yes, a lack of spiritual meditation. Sometimes it's not what Jesus said that we need to look at so seriously. As that that he could not say. Amen. There was no altars. There was no camp meetings. It doesn't appear that there was much prayer going on. And how excited heaven must have been to hear the old croaking voice of the righteous man, Noah. How delighted God must have felt looking down on a festival, looking down on party to find a man who would recluse himself. And get caught away somewhere. Amen. Grieved with the spirit of the day. Vexed with the prevalent mood and tenses of the hour. A man that every now and again had to bury his head in an altar built by his hands. And say, God, oh God, keep my spirit pure. Oh God, save me from this untoward and wicked generation. Oh, God, I don't know where it's headed. Oh, God, there seems to be much out there that I am unable to influence at all. But let it stay out there. Not let it get in me. God bowed his ear. Heaven and the holy angels listened as one single soldier of righteousness. 
amen, would buck the tide and the times and dare to walk with God. And your book said that Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God in an earth that was filled with violence. There wasn't no CNN back in those days to tell the world about it. There probably wasn't a chronicle newspaper, amen, or a star banner. But the earth was filled with violence. Oh, help me, Father. But one man said, I'm going to keep that violence out of me. A world that was fierce. Brother, you can say what you want to, but we're living in a fierce world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, Brother Alviar, don't let me embarrass you. He traveled with me today, and if the black cloud's not on him, it's on me. Woe be when we get together. Yeah, man, I about got my nose broke trying to get on a plane today. Because some smart like smart off my wife and my girls. Amen. I about forgot about my clerical duties. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Stuck his nose in something wasn't none of his business. I told him, praise God. Hallelujah. And I had to repent before I come to the pulpit tonight. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brother, this is a goofy generation. Somebody said, I know if Phillips comes around, he's going to be negative. Amen. Call it what you want to. You can stick your head in the mud if you want to. But I'm going to look this world in the peepers. And I'm going to keep preaching about the day. That I can be ready for the hour. Somebody better preach about the day. Hey, Lord Jesus. Amen. I don't care a flip about their other lifestyles. God still made Adam and Eve. He didn't make Adam and Steve. Amen. Amen. Brother, it's coming to a day and an hour. You can say what you will. I'm preaching what I feel you now. Brother, it's coming to a day when God's real children are going to say, Come, Lord Jesus. Eating, drinking. Amen. Brother Bass, that was before Morrison's. Can you believe that? Hallelujah. I drove down Silver Springs Boulevard today and I looked toward Morrison. I said, boy, Brother Bass has spent a bucket full of money on me in Morrison. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. But he comes to Texas and I get to spend a bucket full on him now, you know. If you live long enough, what goes around comes around. Praise God. We all got hope. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. Noah's day. Noah's day was affluent. It was success. And brother, we're living in a generation that whatever spells success makes it legal. And whatever, and whatever little song that Babylon plays, we're all supposed to bow down and pay homage. Amen. Amen. But there was a Daniel. And there was some three Hebrew boys. They may have been in Babylon, but Babylon didn't get in them. And they said, we're not eating of your dainties. We're not eating of your food that's been offered to sacrifice to idols. We'll take our chances with God's goodness. We'll take our chances with God's blessing. We're not getting caught up in this day. We might be in Babylon right now. But Abraham's still our daddy. And God's still got plans for Zion. As the days of Noah were. As the days of Noah were. Now let me tell you right now, I still believe in our running, hand clapping, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. I still believe we can come here the next two days and have our eyes on the eastern sky. Amen. And do some shouting and tongue, tongue talking and glory hallelujah. Amen. Not being one bit ignorant of the day and hour. It don't have to take the glory out of our soul. It don't have to take the shout out of our feet. It don't have to take the victory out of our life. Brother, if there's anybody in the world that knows what's going on. Hallelujah. It's some people that have their eyes in the book. Looking at the day. Looking to the hour. They were eating and drinking and 
marrying and giving in marriage. And as the days of Noah were, sleeping on the doorstep of judgment. Amen. Forgive me for not moving around, but i got to stay here and hold myself up a little. Amen. But they knew not. Everybody said they knew not. Not a more tragic statement in the Bible. Surrounded by the violence. Surrounded by, amen, the iniquity. Surrounded by the lawlessness. And yet spiritual blindness had so enveloped them. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. They were sleeping on the doorstep of judgment and didn't know where they were. They were, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and at the same time sleeping on the very doorstep of judgment. I don't know how it is with you. Forgive me. I can only preach the way I feel. But it is becoming very difficult for me to deal with a generation that is in spiritual calamity that is blinded to it. It is getting difficult for me to deal with prayerless saints and people that do not understand the plight and the danger that they are in. They've learned how to flip the calendar month by month, and they've managed to scrape by on the 15th and the 30th. And they paid their bills, and they're living in their houses, and they're driving their cars. And they picked up their hobbies, and they picked up their their little trinkets. And yet they come into apostolic churches where there are apostolic preachers trying, God, help us to prepare a people for your coming. We're not playing church. Help us, God, to transmit to those who are sitting in our congregations the solemnity and the seriousness of the task that is before us. And yet, brethren, I must confess, and I believe you will agree, there is a frivolity. And there is a, there is a lightheartedness that is evading and invading the most conservative of our churches. And even in our movement today, I appeal to every saint that is in this room tonight, would you let me speak for God? I believe God's talked to my heart. Could I encourage you and charge you in the name of Jesus? Hold up the hands of a preacher that will try to save your marriage. And try to save your sons and your daughters from the ravages of sin. Hold up the hands of a good pastor that would weep between the porch and the altar. And try to stop the tide of worldliness. And stop the hand of Lucifer that would try to rip our babies out of our grasp. And would take our grandchildren to hell. And strip our churches of the blessed holiness that has been personified in our midst by the divine glory of God. I say we need to fight for the Ark of the Covenant. We need to scrap and fight to keep sacred things sacred. And to keep holy things holy. We've got to keep our eye on the day that we can be ready for the hour. reach to good people that could be better, to preach to good saints that could be more. I told you this is probably a Wednesday night lesson, I don't know. Amen, child of God, other than my wife and my daughter, there's no saints from Vider here, from our local church. Let me preach for your preacher. Let me speak for your good man of God. And let me try in this conference on revival and, and evangelism to tell you that the grassroots of it all still sets at our doorstep. The basic fundamental energies that are necessary for revival and growth, evangelism, call it all whatever, call it all. The bottom line is still good prayer meetings. It's still good saints that'll give an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say. It's still good daddies that'll go home, amen, and join ranks with a concerned preacher and'll tell mama and children, this is the way it is here. We want revival in our church.
Amen. And we're not going to be dead weight at our church. We're not going to just be a bystander. I'm telling you, we'll never see what all of our hearts are hungry to see. Until it gets out of the pulpits and into the homes. Until it gets away from the podium and into the pulpits of men and women's conscience. Until we can feel as the apostle of old felt when he said, herein do I exercise myself. To have a conscience void of offense toward God and man. I don't know how some folks have silenced the voice of the preacher of conscience. I don't know, and yet I do know, forgetting him days without number is a good way to close the shop and put the out-of-business sign on the pulpit of your heart. Forgetting him, just forgetting him. Eating, drinking, marrying. If you have three cars, God bless you. I hope they're all Lincoln Town cars and maybe a Mercedes somewhere in between. I'm glad for you. If you've got a house, thank the Lord. If you've got a good job and some good income, we're not opposed to that. But I'll tell you what, in the midst of modern day 90s, we can wind up forgetting him. I still remember going to my grandparents. My grandpa had more church in that little four-room house than some folks do that I've been preaching to for six years in Texas. Oh, Grandpa Henry, I preached about him all over the country. Oh, let me say some more about him. Y'all bored yet? Oh, good, I got a few more minutes then. Maybe I'm... Oh, Grandpa Henry, he'd sit there. If we didn't have watch night service, pray the old year out, the new one in, have foot washing communion, and we still believe in that. Oh, yeah, we still believe in that. <laughs> some of these old stiff shirt Pentecostals need to get down to some stinky feet that wasn't washed before they came to church. <laughs> now the rest of us, we be sure we trim our toenails. And... You didn't know I was that smart, did you? Oh yeah, I look kind of ignorant, but I'm pretty sharp. Oh, Grandpa, he he get to talking to me on those 31st of January or 31st of December, I guess it is. Yeah, I don't get get ahead of himself. We weren't at the church. Fiberglass Owens Carding plant over across the way, a few blocks. At midnight, there was a big, big whistle that went off. Usually it was at three and eleven and eleven and seven. The shift changed. On New Year's night, they'd shower down at twelve straight up for that. And long before that, my old granddaddy had about a fifth, sixth grade education. He baptized a bunch of folks. He wasn't a preacher and don't ask me why they did it this way back then, but the pastor Assigned him to baptize. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but he did. And and uh, Henry had been in church a number of years. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on. I know it's getting late, but long before that, beep, at twelve o'clock, oh Henry'd be down in his chair, beating the stuffings out of that chair, talking in tongues. He'd get up and walk from that living room into that one bedroom, out of that bedroom into the next one. I don't know what this had to do with feeling the Holy Ghost, but it was his way. Whoop, woo, 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 woo. I stood over there about seven, eight, nine years old, and them doodads. And then on them days I had some hair, and it stood straight up. I mean, I felt like angels. 135 East Stephen Street became a cathedral. And that old worn-out Bible, Brother Bowie, he'd been, he'd been reaching to it all evening, getting ready to pray that old year out, that new year in. 
Worked for Waterworks Company there in the city of Newark after he retired. They'd come by in the wee hours of the morning and say, Henry, where's the shutoff valve? we got a broke line. He wasn't an engineer, but he knew more about that town than the engineers. He'd get up in the wee hours of the morning, not even getting a retirement, didn't even have a decent retirement. Don't get me on that, man. I'll, I'll go talking about that and, and, and go out there and help them. But I, I'm, ju- I'm just telling you, brother, uh, brother Henry, my, my grandpa, I, I'm talking about spending time with Jesus. Hallelujah. And uh, he, he, he had church at home and they had prayer at home. I remember my grandmother, after Henry died, I'd go stay with grandma. And at the death of a loved one, she did not lose her faith. And I listened, and the old bed back in those days was old metal springs, and she'd get to praying, talking in tongues, and she'd shake that bed, and it'd go to creaking and popping and snapping. I'm going to tell you, Pentecost came to me on the shoulders and in the hearts of praying people. It came to us, amen, not on the wheels of polished chrome affluence, but it came to us from working class people. Just worked their jobs and maybe had one suit of clothes if they were lucky. And wore that white shirt every week so they could go back on Sunday. What are you saying, brother? I'm telling you the eating, the drinking. And I like good times. And I'm preaching myself in the altar tonight. And I know that you've got to live. And I know you've got to lighten up. And I know you've got to give vent. And I'm not here to tell you that I am the perfection of consecration. But I'm telling you when I look to this world, I'm saying, God, don't let us get so climatized. Don't let us get so adjusted. Don't let us get climatized to the condition of our world. The Saddam Husseins don't say nothing to us no more. And the wars and the rumors of wars aren't saying anything to us anymore. And the rapes and the murders and the violence is not saying anything to us anymore. We sip our coffee and we eat our bacon and eggs. And it's another rape. It's another incest. It's another, it's another violence. It's another threat of war. I'm telling you, if we understood where we were tonight, I doubt that I'd have to finish what I'm trying to preach about. We are, every one of us, liable to get caught up. Oh God. And not read the mail. I'm not here as a prophecy preacher. I confess my ignorance. Many of these good men here could tell us the whys and the wherefores. But I'm telling you my little interpretation of it. And Brother Bass, if this is off, forgive me. Amen. But a few years ago, there was the rise of the third party idea. And the breakdown of the old traditional Democrat and Republican. And there was the independent party and the idea of other parties coming in. And I'm telling you the chaos and the confusion that is in our White House on Pennsylvania Avenue tonight. I'm speaking what I feel in my spirit. is paving the way and setting the mindset of the world that says, is there anybody that's got any answers? And it's getting the minds of America ready. That it, I feel so help me. That it don't have to be Republican. Amen. And it started years ago. What are you talking about, preacher? Brother, in the weeds tonight, the man of sin is putting on his garment. The little horn's about to stick his head up. And if we Pentecostals aren't careful, our Sunday night holdown's not going to get it. And just having exciting church is not good enough. We've got to have some prayer. We've got to have some consecration. We've got to have some dedication. They're seducing spirits and doctrines of devils in our world today. We better keep our eye on the day that we'll be ready for the hour. You can be seated. Thank you. When your apostle Paul got ready to leave the elders at Ephesus, he said, I have been here preaching to you with tears. I don't really think people's got a gripe if a man preaches to them with tears. 
I'm not necessarily saying a big session of crying every night. But I don't think people's got a complaint. If a man preaches holiness, if he knows he's weeping over their children, they ain't got a gripe. He said, I have gone among you. What was it? Three years, three and a half years? Night and day with tears. And a preacher that knew something about God and knew something about the devil. He said, it ain't party whistle time. He said, I know that after my departing, Grievous wolves will come in, not sparing the flock, and of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things. And the bottom line of those kind of characters is to draw disciples away after, and everybody said, themselves. Now you can buy Branham's tapes, but I'm not. Well, hallelujah. I dare not. I don't know what time I started, but I need to watch when I quit. I know that. He said, there's something going to happen. I'll no sooner say the amen than of your own selves shall men arise. Because they want to draw disciples after themselves. I'm telling you, it's still Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It don't matter if it's five members or 500 members. When Jesus quits being magnified, when Jesus is not top, side, and bottom, and in between of everything that's going on around your church. Hallelujah. Other foundation can no man lay. Save that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. He's chief cornerstone, you're not. He's still the I am, that I am, we're not. He's still the wonderful. He's still the counselor. He's still the mighty God. I said he's still the mighty God. Woo! Shut from my He's still the everlasting Father. And everybody that will let him, he's still the Prince of Peace. And he's still the judge that's going to come. I don't care what the charismatics say. Some fellow a few years ago was quoted as saying, he got up and said, I preached my last negative judgmental message. He needs to go sell cars. Smoke dope, probably doing that too anyhow. I'm not dragging down my Sunday night message with some old gloom and doom. There's a bunch of positive folks in Noah's day and they drowned it. There's a bunch of folks. I don't want to hear nothing negative. I know there's an upside, and I don't preach this way every night. But I'm here to tell you, bless God, we better keep our eye on the day. And brethren, we better keep our mouth open about the day. Or we won't have nothing ready for the hour. Hey, Lord, help me. I'm just preaching what is in my spirit tonight. I say let's fight the good fight of faith. Let's rebuke every seducing spirit. Come against every false doctrine. And say, yeah, we want to have revival. We want to have souls praying through. Hallelujah. I think I can preach this here. I think I can preach this here. I said, I think I can preach this here. That's the reason I run with these kind of meetings. Hallelujah. I wouldn't waste my ministry trying to preach to a bunch of those high-hatted, high-confluting Pentecostals. 
I'm not trying to be ugly. I guess it sounds pretty ugly right now, don't it? Hey, Lord. Why? Because I'm trying to preach about the day to get somebody ready for the hour. Don't get tired of your preacher coming on down the line and talking about this crooked and perverse generation. Brother Peter did on the day of Pentecost. He said, save yourself from this wicked and perverse generation. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Pentecostal preaching has got to talk about the generation that it's living in. We're not attacking personalities. We're attacking principalities. You can be seated. Lord, brethren, I hope you all got... Please. I come off with about... Man, I I sick all night, and Brother Bass told me the Lord's going to help me. He is, brother. I, I appreciate that. You may have to carry me out of here, but I appreciate what the Lord's doing right now. I oh, forgive me. That's not positive enough. This old body of mine. I'm going to tell you. Well, 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 help me. I, I come off. I forgot my handkerchiefs. I forgot. I forgot everything. I got one here. I guess it's going to last me three days. And after tonight, I don't know if I want to chance it or not. Maybe my wife will go down to Dillard's and buy me some more or something. I don't know. She usually packs for me and gets me all fixed up. But she was as sick and puny as I was. We ain't never gotten in such a shape. I got up at, I got up at 4.30 this morning. I stumbled downstairs. You, you ever heard the expression sicker than a mule? I don't know where that come from, but I think I, I could identify that. And I, I got in that refrigerator and I got me some ice cubes and got me some Sprite and I said, I'm going to try to settle this old sick stomach. And, and I looked up there and I said, you devil, you. And I know I made a little jest about it today, Brother Alviar. But I ain't sure the devil didn't want me to come. I ain't all that important, but I had something to preach tonight. Come on now. Come on now. Now there's a, there's a few things about this, this day that's pretty good. I got 800 miles from home. Forgot a piece of document here. Book that I was going to bring and try to pass along to you. So I got over there at that good hotel that the elder put us in. I went down there and called him up from the room. Man, just acted like a big high fluting guy, brother. I said, y'all got a fax machine. Now, where I come from, brother, they couldn't imagine even having them, you understand? Not in Texas. I'm saying when I was a kid up yard, who would have dreamed you'd get something across the way and got some paper on it? I got one at the house. I ain't got enough brains to run it. My wife does, so I just... Hey, Lord. So I called back my nephew's home and I said, go in there and find this book. So he faxed it to me. Isn't that high tech? Man, I have arrived. Amen. I started to bring my laptop computer just to impress y'all and just open her up here and read my tech. So there are a few things about this day that I can, but uh, we ain't preached against fax machines yet, are we? Get myself in deep water here. Not yet. Y'all leave me alone. Don't mess with me. Can I, can I talk to you just a few more minutes? You got two good days coming. Put up with me tonight. Let me hang around. You won't run me off after this, will you? I'm just telling you. We're going to have a revival we want to have. We're going to have some people coming through the doors of our churches saying, Preacher, if I ever needed a straight preacher. If my wife and my children ever need it, and they're not going to get pampered by me when you got to lay it on them, Pastor. That boy of mine hangs out in the foyer at eight in the prayer room, and you drag him in there by the ear. I'll be right there kicking him in the britches when you're dragging him in by the ear. And that girl comes in there and got them dues on, got them splits on, got them... We want a holiness church, Pastor. We want to keep that way out yonder somewhere. We want a good dividing line. We don't want a church full of fringe and borderline livers. 
We want some hot-blooded, red-blooded, conviction-conscious, apostolic awareness, Pentecostal power. Hey, I believe God still anoints holiness where He finds it. You'll go to some of these places where nobody can open their mouth and preach about nothing and see if you have the kind of church you'll have around here in the next couple of days. You go somewhere where the pulpits muscle down and shut up and see what kind of youth group they've got. I'm telling you, we're the biggest bunch of fools in the world to try to muscle the pulpit. Let a man preach. Let your preacher preach. Pay your tithe. Give the offering. We want to save our city. And we want to win them for holiness. We want to win them for righteousness. We want to win them for God. Yeah, 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 yeah. The book that I picked up the other day, y'all won't fault me. I'll say this and I'll be through. And it was written by Gary R. Collins. I found this interesting. He uh, wrote about a professor who uh, decided to, after class time, to uh, have a discussion at his home. And he had a small dining room, so he invited some students there. And uh, he said the topics differed from week to week, but the goal was always the same, to withdraw from the campus environment and think about contemporary issues that we rarely had time to discuss in the classroom. And he says those evening conversations were among the most challenging events of my teaching career. They kept my mind fresh and growing. He says one night we turned to a book about the way people think in America. The author is a New York University professor. He said he argued convincingly that people today don't think much at all. They prefer to be entertained, whatever the topic. It must be presented to amuse and captivate whether or not it informs. Even the books like this one fail disastrously if the author doesn't tell enough stories to hold people's attention. He says, my dining room class agreed that much of this need to be entertained comes because of television. News is presented with eye-catching pictures, bite-sized paragraphs, and short quotations, many of which are dramatic and taken out of context. Political campaigns revolve around television images of the candidates. Substantive issues are usually ignored. And this is a secular man. Listen now. He says, most disturbing is the effect of this entertainment mentality on the church. To keep an audience, religious programs have to entertain and give viewers what they want to see and hear. But Jesus didn't give people what they wanted to hear. He told them what they needed. He challenged their thinking and he called for change. Television, however, is not well suited for disturbing and challenging messages. As a consequence, what is preached on television is not anything like the Sermon on the Mount. Religious programs are filled with good cheer. They celebrate affluence. They, their featured players become celebrities. Though their messages are trivial, the shows have high ratings, or rather, because their messages are trivial, the shows have high ratings. Christianity is a demanding and serious religion. When it is delivered as easy and amusing, it is another kind of religion altogether. Give me your patience, just a couple paragraphs more. One of the students spoke up and said, there's an easy solution to that problem. Forget the tube and don't present religion on te TV. But most of us have been raised on television. Now, I'm not really getting on this television thing. It just worked in, but that's not where I'm headed. Listen. Most of us have been raised on television as part of our culture, and it can't be ignored. An estimated 90 million Americans watch television every night. Here's where we're headed. 
After being entertained all week and lulled into superficial thinking by short-term news clips, primetime speculators, who wants to go to a boring church service, especially if it isn't entertaining? Who wants to hear somebody talk for half an hour or longer? Especially if the speech occasionally urges us to change our behavior or to use our brains? He says, no way. Forgive me for barring this. And this is not a spirit-filled situation at all, but it is a very real observance. Brother, to capture the hearts of sinners walking through our doors... And rip them from the clutches of the carnal world that we're living in. And make apostolic God-fearing saints. It's going to take an all-powerful God. To convert them from the lifestyle that they are accustomed to. And make them anything close. To the Pentecostal servant and child of God that all of us, most of us, appreciate. It's going to take the help of a higher power. And you're looking at one little preacher man. His feelings about as helpless as I've ever felt. And I'm looking to God and saying, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. We want to give you a church somewhat like the one you left. We're trying to preserve the doctrine that you gave us trying to uphold something of the sanctity and the sacredness of your divine glory in a frivolous carnal generation forgive me for being so down tonight I'm not down I'm just telling you saints if we ever needed you we can preach till the world looks level but you're our epistles. You're our epistles. If we ever needed good God-fearing young people to help us have revival, they aren't projecting one image in the church and another image to the world. It's giving a clear note and a certain sound to our generation that there is a Pentecost that's real. And there's an apostolic that can convert you. And make you indeed a new creature. We need some people that will rub their eyes red. Get their nose in this book and find out what they believe and why they believe it. Get dipped and dyed and firmly founded and rooted and grounded. And not be carried away by every wind of doctrine. And every slight of men. It's a good thing, Paul said, that the heart be established. You're looking at one preacher. I don't think there's still nothing wrong with old dry Wednesday night Bible studies. Going back through the book of Acts and saying, this is why we baptize in Jesus' name. And this entertainment craze of our generation is not going to stop me. All them making fun of our Bible lessons ain't going to shut my mouth. We need hours and two hours. And who is it? I'm going to shut up in a minute. I really will. But we're all feeling the pressure. Amen. And, and we're not, our churches aren't full of television. Well, here I go again. But I'm t- it don't have to be for us to feel some of this pressure that we're feeling in the last days. Come on, come on. I'm telling you, it don't have to be a TV set and the 11 o'clock news. It can be a job and money and affluence. That causes us to forget God days without number. That leaves us stripped and barren and lifeless. We talk about revival. Move of the Spirit. But I say, God, even this week, talk to me. I'm not come to indict everybody in this building. I've just come as one of us tonight. To ask us all, can we all be honest enough to open our heart and say, God, help me to remember as it was, so shall it be. Would you help my preacher God keep the spirit of the world out of our church? Help me to keep a right attitude about it. 
help me to enjoy. He puts his finger on this world. He's only trying to get me ready for that hour. He's not against everything. He's for me going to God's heaven and living above sin here. But he's got to talk about the day. He's got to talk about the day to help me to be ready for the hour. God, let our pulpits today be filled with Holy Ghost conviction. And let our pews be filled with individuals that have godly fear. I close tonight with this. It just came to my heart and I think it would be right for me to say. The Apostle Peter one day had to come to grips. He said, all right, God, you want the Gentiles saved. I believe it was in that setting that the man finally had to say, whoever it is among you that worketh righteousness and feareth God, to you is the word of salvation sent. That's really the only congregation we preach to, is those that fear God. You don't preach to the other bunch. They come to church, but you don't preach to them. You only preach to those that are trying to work righteousness. Even if it's in limited understanding. Cornelius was a devout man, had never heard about the new birth. Finally, Peter said, I guess I get it. About the only ones that are really going to get this is the ones that are pure in heart. They're not coming to church to be entertained. And Cornelius and his bunch got right there in the presence of Simon Peter and said, we are all here before God in the sight of God to hear whatsoever things are commanded thee of God to speak. And brother, if we're going to have revival in the last days, dear child of God, we better get some Cornelius spirit. We're here in the sight of God to hear whatsoever things are commanded thee of God to speak. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. God help us to have a heart for souls and heart for the world and still somehow have a red-hot heart for righteousness and the things of God. Forgive me tonight if this hasn't been to your liking. Maybe it's out of step and out of place. But I've come to give you what I've felt on my heart. Let's stand. Slip your hands up and let's talk to the Lord. Talk to Him tonight. Talk to Him. Talk to the Lord tonight. I'm not here to be entertained, God. I thank you for everything. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the preaching. Thank you, Lord, for everything. We're going to do our best with what we've got to do. We're going to sing our best. We're going to preach our best. God, above all else, we've got to be saved. Come on, let's have a good prayer meeting here for the next minute or so. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're here in the sight of God. Oh, God, we want to fear you and work righteousness. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's wait on the Lord just for a minute. Husband, would you pray for your wife? Wife, would you pray for your husband? God, help us to be a tool of revival in the last days. Parents, would you pray for your children? Help us to be an instrument of revival in our community by exemplifying that that is preached. Don't let us compromise the purity of the gospel. Don't let us send a mixed signal to this world. Let us be an open book of sincerity and reality. Praise God.